Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We know the last few months have been, to say the least, a learning curve. From teaching your kids at home, to figuring out video conferences, or even remembering the right way to go down aisles. We had a lot to learn, and our dealership did too. After all, our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy for our customers. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to CMA's ColonialHonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. And don't worry, we're always here to answer questions. If you'd like to complete it all online and you're not sure about something, give us a call and we can virtually walk you through it. Or you can take any of these steps in the dealership if that's more comfortable for you. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit CMA's ColonialHonda.com. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. It's Wednesday, everyone. Hello, welcome again to the Sports King program, and we want to thank you, Facebook Live, as well as Sports 106.1. And right away this morning, already tuning in, Dan Whited, Sacramento, California. Hello, Steve Rantakarsik, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Hello, William Boozer, South Carolina. Hello, Ralph Faulkner, London, England, hello. So, folks, spanning the globe, bringing you the Sports King program, we can't thank you enough for tuning in this morning. We want you to know right off the bat, we can't do it without our sponsors who make it happen for us each and every day. We want to thank the Nerve Company. Never underestimate Radical Vision. You can reach CEO Andrew Fisher and his outstanding team in Denver, Colorado, proud sponsors of the Sports King Show. Go to www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com. Graphics, website design, marketing plans, they do it all at www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com. And by CMA Colonial Honda. They continue to keep lines moving forward. Go out and see for yourself new cars, used cars, amazing selection, which can be delivered directly to your door if you want them to. Uh, go out and see President and General Manager Tim Cosgrove, one of the finest men you'll ever meet. He has the best car selling team in the country. They will make it happen for you every day. It's at CMA Colonial Honda and by the Podiatry Center of Dr. Paul Ross. If you have a foot problem of any kind, go to the best. Go to Dr. Ross at offices in Springfield, Virginia, Bethesda, Maryland. 180,000 people have been there. You will definitely appreciate it if you get the opportunity to spend time with Dr. Ross. If you have a foot issue, he's the man. It's the Podiatry Center, and we thank them. Also, it's the Ross Rules of Foot Care, heard here on the Sports King Show. And finally, we welcome back Coastal Carolina's Joe Moglia, the former head coach and the current chairman of TD Ameritrade. He'll be on this week, and we'll give you details as the week goes on. Uh, when Joe will be here offering insight on life, finance, and sports, heard weekly and exclusively on the Sports King program. We're going to start the show with our NFL insiders. You know him. He's Mr. Cole Thompson. You can follow him at Mr. Cole Thompson. He also writes for Pro Football Network and covers the Texas A&M Aggies. And Cole Thompson in Texas, we welcome you this morning. And Cole, right off the bat, the news yesterday, 500 plus million to Patrick Mahomes setting the market up there with the highest contract ever. What were your impressions of the deal? 
You know, I think it was a deal that a lot of people thought was going to be coming sooner than later. I think a lot of people also expected, according to people that I spoke to, the deal to be at least over the $250 million mark. So you knew it was going to be a massive deal, but quarter of a bill, I mean, half a billion dollars, half a billion dollars over a 10 year span is a ridiculous amount of money. But if the Chiefs do feel confident that they will be able to afford him, be able to see this as kind of a steal for them if he continues to put up the numbers he has, looking at what he's done thus far in really only two years of play. This is a big win for Kansas City. They're now expected to have Andy Reid stick around for another three, four years. You're now expected to have this team that has players such as Tyreek Hill on a five-year deal. Uh, they're trying to get Chris Jones to come back on at least a three-year deal. This is a Kansas City team that maybe will not be a contender for the next two decades or so like we've seen with New England, but they will be still, I think, the team to beat in the AFC for a very long time that starts at the quarterback position one thing that you can take away is that, much like Tom Brady, I think Patrick Mahomes makes every one of his targets better. And with the, the industrial movement of how sports performance enhancements are working with vitamins and supplements and workouts, the players that come into the league are already going to be better than players you saw in the 2009-2010 season, which is only going to make Patrick Mahomes look better, which is only going to complement the team. This could be a slam dunk win for Patrick Mahomes, who's now a half a billionaire before he's the age of 25. This could be a big win for the Kansas City Chiefs, who probably are getting a deal if he's able to win three or four Super Bowls for them. I want to get back to the NFL in a minute, but there are breaking news, of course, today, the Ivy League to announce uh, what's going to happen. Of course, there we heard Harvard yesterday saying $50,000 to go there. You won't be able to go there in uh, the regular sense in terms of going to classes. You're going to have to do it online, uh, $50,000 education per year, of course, if you can do that online, I guess. Uh, good for Harvard, but they're going to announce today the Ivy League is expected. This is per Ben Kirchival from CBS Sports. Time is running out for the 2020 college football season, Cole, and it looks like uh, it, for it to start on time, decisions have to be made, of course, this afternoon. It looks like the Ivy League is going to push off the 2020 season until the spring for the Ivy League. What are the ripple effects of this? You're at Texas A&M covering the Aggies. What are you hearing there? Is this just going to be one league uh, in terms of the Ivy League doing this? Do you expect this to be uh, what everything's going to be going forward for college football? I personally, looking at college football, I think more and more teams and more and more leagues are going to move in this direction. What's your take? Do you think this is an isolated thing or do you think it's going to be the rule of thumb moving forward? This is definitely right now just going to be the Ivy League. And according to people that I've spoken to, it is expected to be announced today that the Ivy League will announce that they will not have fall sports this upcoming year. That also right now includes basketball, which is a big get for a lot of players and a lot of teams looking at the schedule because basketball is a dual sport sport. It's both in the fall, winter, and spring league. So that is a big no-no right now as of them. Uh, do I expect this to be a trend? Yes, I do. I expect smaller districts like the Sun Belt, the Big East, the um, probably the independents outside of Notre Dame, such as BYU, uh, the AAC maybe being the biggest conference right now. But those Power Five schools have so much to lose heading into the season. I feel like they're going to hold out a little bit longer. And I do expect the SEC, a conference that has already had players back at the facilities for voluntary workouts for the past month, to be the final area to declare if they're going to 
suspend the season for the upcoming 2020 year. This will be, I think, decided literally days before the start of the football season, depending on if practices are going on or not. And I don't think we will have an answer on the SEC, probably the ACC, maybe the Big Ten, until I would say mid to late August. I think that you'll start to see these smaller conferences where you see the Ivy Leagues, where you see the Pioneer Leagues, where you see the Big Sky League, maybe even the FCS level take a breather right now. But I don't expect these massive Power 5 conferences to be making announcements anytime in the next month. Cole, I've got to ask you, you cover the Texas A&M Aggies, and what are you hearing out of College Station? How is this going to affect you right now from what you're hearing in terms of the team? Uh, what protocols are being put in place for you as a writer? Uh, of course, you look at the White House press briefings. All of the reporters are six feet away, say social distancing. They have masks on. What's going to happen with you as a reporter? How much access do you think you'll have? How will it be changing? I know you'll probably have temperature checks, uh, have to clear protocols. What have you been told up to this point? Nothing. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Nothing as of this point. It's still Zoom meetings, still Zoom protocols, still everything online, databases, everything along the lines of that. Uh, of course, the NFL is starting to implement some areas of how they're going to have media done. The MLB kind of recently just did it by having the local outlets be there as top priority. One member of the national outlet be there. Uh, and then for away trips, you'd have usually just one member of the uh, the away team's outlets uh, on site still being uh, six feet apart and social distancing. Uh, th- this is going to be something that I think is decided throughout the season. I think depending on how COVID, you know, numbers are increasing, the number of deaths, the number of um, the, the area that you're sitting in, that's also going to play a massive part. I just see this right now as kind of a toss-up in the air. And we look down in Texas. Of course, you're there. You see things. You hear things. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys have until July 14th to give him a long-term deal or stay with the $31.4 million tender he has agreed to right now. People are saying, well, with the Mahomes deal, it should mean big things for him. I disagree. I think until he earns it, he's not going to get that long-term deal. What are you hearing? What are your sources telling you down there in terms of Will they comply with Dak's wishes and give him that long-term deal, or do you think they're going to make him ride it out and earn it, uh, as I have suggested? Well, it's July 15th, but I, I, I biggest believe, I mainly think that the biggest concern is going to be this new Mahomes deal. Uh, I think that with this deal for $503 million, Prescott's going to want more than his asking price of the average of $35 million per year. I think that him and his agent are going to try and bring it up to about $38.5 million per year, which is likely put him, if it's a five-year deal, in that roughly $180 million range. Uh, I do think that they will not get a deal done on time. Uh, according to people that I've spoken to, it's mainly just deciding on that number. The biggest thing, once again, is that fifth-year option. The one thing that Prescott's camp has been saying is they do not want him to have that fifth-year option like most quarterbacks have to have. They want him to have a four-year deal making that much money. And that's where Jerry Jones and the staff are kind of meeting in the middle. I think that with this new Mahomes deal, he's going to very much be pushing for that four-year deal. And I don't see a deal getting done. I definitely think that there will be a deal done before the end of the 2020 season. But right now, I think Mike McCarthy and the team are going to be looking forward, especially with how the season is about to unfold. If the season is going to be postponed, it's really difficult to pay anybody right now because then you're owed that money if you do play, if you do not play. 
So I do think that they will be holding off for just a little while longer on the on the uh, Pat Prescott deal. I know it's a fluid situation. We're following, of course, with the racial strife and the comments around the league with different players uh, speaking out. Of course, the Eagles say they're disappointed in Deshaun Jackson, former Redskin, over his anti-Semitic posts. He's been going on Twitter and Instagram trying to offer Mia culpas. And, of course, uh, it's not a good look when you're speaking out against the Jewish community, when your owner is of Jewish faith and basically trying to put him and the general manager down. And now he's got to, you know, backtrack and apologize and so forth. Some folks are saying that uh, there is uh, – reason to believe he may be cut from the team for these comments are you hearing anything about this i know it's it's fresh and it's ongoing but it's a situation where uh jackson is trying to backtrack now but it's definitely uh not playing well in philadelphia you know i haven't heard anything uh personally i would be on the side of cutting him when you put down or when you derogatize an entire race or religion of people i know that it's a sensitive subject but uh, just imagine this for a quick second Drew Brees was dragged through the mud for saying that you need to stand for the national anthem in his own belief and was told by other players he needs to shut his leaping mouth. Uh, This is a very similar situation. I think that it's the exact kind of same motive. The only difference is that Deshaun Jackson hasn't proven to be healthy for the last three seasons while Drew Brees is still putting up MVP-like numbers. So to me, this is an easy cut. Uh, but the biggest thing that they will be discussing is, of course, that how much they would owe him if he were to suit up this season. I believe right now they'd have to owe him $2.65 million going into the final year of his two-year deal. Uh, I don't think that the production is there for Jackson. I think that he's a subpar uh, receiver at this point in his career. I think that everything that he's done up to this point has made him a, made him a success story, but I don't see him viewed as anything more than the number four option for the Eagles going into 2020. And with all this coming out, with the whole thing that's been going on with players saying racial things, going off and saying insensitive subjects, and them being cut in recent years, I don't think Deshaun Jackson is above the list. And this will definitely, I think, cause a lot more controversy if the Eagles do continue to keep him and support him. Uh, a lot of people, there's a great article by Bo Wolf out of The Athletic talking about how the Eagles were willing to give Michael Vick a second chance. This is not one of the situations. This is one where I think Deshaun Jackson has put his foot in his mouth multiple times in the past, especially with the Eagles franchise, and now it's time to cut ties. Our special guest, Cole Thompson, you can follow him at Mr. Cole Thompson. He also writes for the Pro Football Network and covers the Texas A&M Aggies, a special contributor for the Sports King program, and we appreciate him joining us from Texas. Uh, turning our attention to the Tennessee Titans, they remain one of the team rumors to be in the running for, to sign uh, outside pass rusher Jadavion Clowney. Titans general manager John Robinson told Paul Kaharski on Tuesday night during a video conference call, that uh, he would love to have Clowney and love to see him in person, of course, before making any official move. Is this the landing spot you're thinking about Clowney? He hasn't had a lot of uh, interest from a lot of teams. I don't know if that price tag is too high. Of course, you have to understand a $20 million plus year deal is what he's probably going to be looking for. And, of course, he's coming off a core muscle surgery. So this is a potential risky move. They're hoping he's 100%, but just watching him work out is not enough and I think uh, they're looking in terms of the Titans aspect, uh, whether they're going to sign him or not. It's going to be up to whether they can see him in person. What are you hearing? 
You know, right now, everything that I've been told is that the chances of him going back to Seattle are more and more likely by the day. Seattle has offered him a contract that they both sides see very suitable. It's a one-year deal, according to people that I've spoken to. Uh, this is a part where I disagree that I think Seattle's the best fit for him. I actually think Tennessee playing him as that standing nine technique, allowing him to be an effective run stopper alongside the likes of Jeffrey Simmons on that defensive line, uh, pairing with Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans in that, in that linebacker core. I think that's an ideal location for him. But I think when you look at the money situation, who's willing to offer him the most? Who knows what he's able to bring to the table? John Schneider has that upper hand over the likes of, I think, the John Robinsons and the Andrew Berries of the world. And with Olivier Vernon's contract being restructured this past offseason, all implications are pointing towards Miles Garrett getting that massive mega deal following the Patrick Mahomes deal that just came on Monday afternoon. So I think that the running would be between Tennessee and Seattle at this point. But I do think at the end of the day, you're going to see Seattle be the ones walking away with the clowning sweepstakes on another one-year deal. Our final question for Cole Thompson. Cole, I'm looking at the NFL. We've got three weeks until players are scheduled to report to training camp. Just three weeks. We have a lot of questions that remain unanswered. How are they going to return? How it's going to look? How it's going to work in general? What are the biggest questions or what's the biggest question you have right now or the biggest focus you're looking at in terms of the NFL and returning in three weeks? Is there one thing that stands out above anything else to you? You know, there's a lot. I would say the biggest one for me right now at this very moment would be the player safety, how they plan on having the roster set up. Keep in mind that players are expected to get tested for COVID every three days or so. And if they do test positive, they have to go 48 hours without showing symptoms as well as being asymptomatically free. So all of that adds up to me as a potential to see more players that we saw in practice squads actually get their opportunities to shine at the next level but how the rosters are going to also fit. A lot of people, including Dr. Fauci, says that a 53-man roster is far too big to have onto a field, especially with both sides and training staff and coaches all available and access. So I look at this. I want to see how the roster sizes are going to be fluctuated, how players are going to be able to get tested, uh, and more importantly, how they're going to report it. Because a lot of people keep saying how players have tested positive for covid they also don't give you a date when they tested positive for COVID. So I do want to know those kind of things. I think that when you can just say a player is out due to illness or out due to undisclosed reasons, you understand what the reasoning is behind it. But I think pronouncing all those reasonings and also you know, finding out those symptoms and finding out exactly how people will find out about this situation is going to be a much bigger deal going into the 2020 year than we've seen in years past. He's our NFL insider, Cole Thompson. Please follow him at Mr. Cole Thompson. He's a writer for the Pro Football Network and covers the Texas A&M Aggies. Cole, thanks for jumping on this morning with us. For your insight, we'd love to have you back. I uh, look forward to speaking with you next week, and uh, thank you again for joining us this morning. Thanks, Jamie. Cole Thompson, now we're going to take a time out, come back with your phone calls. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Mike Neville coming up in hour number two. We've got a lot more Sports King Show. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back on the Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to the Sports King with Jamie King. 
Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Let's get back to the guy who said, where there's a will, there's a relative. Oh, you're listening to Sports King right here on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone. Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show. Hello, Ron Thayer. Hello, Danny Rainey. Tammy Stalker, hello. Welcome to the Sports King Show online and on Sports 106.1 alongside Ben Maitland. And don't forget, it all starts here every morning, 8 to 10 live. Big Al, that Richmond legend that he is, starts it off with sports phone. I follow Big Al 10 to 12, and then it's off to Jim Rome. But this week, there's no Jim Rome. Of course, he is on vacation and a well-deserved vacation for Jim Rome. And uh, we want to let you know that, of course, every day you get the best local programming, and we're heard uh, coast-to-coast around the world and we thank you for tuning in wherever you're at. want to let you know, of course, there are all kinds of things going on, and uh, my phone gets blown up with questions, and I wish I had some say in some things, folks, but I have probably heard from every sports team fan and every name saying, is my name under siege? Will my name be changed? I don't know. Uh, all I know is this is a fluid situation. It's a situation where you can listen to every side. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks they know, but nobody really knows. But the people that pay the bills, um, they're talking about, uh, I read with interest that the Chicago Blackhawks say they will continue to use their name because it honors a Native American leader. And the Chicago Blackhawks name and logo symbolizes an important person, Blackhawk of Illinois, Sac and Fox Nation, who had great leadership, inspired generations of Native Americans veterans and uh, other folks. So the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, no matter what connotation you take from that, that's okay. Washington Redskins, not so much. So the conjecture and the connotations out there, it's all about who is offended and how you take it and how it affects you and how you feel about it. And of course, uh, some people will look at that and kind of, you know, give the old, Rock eye, of course, rock, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, lift his eye up and look at it kind of sideways and say, that's okay, but this is not. And I just don't understand. And and speaking with uh, Mark Mosley last night about the name, and he, he's definitely upset about it. He said, you know, of course, he and Dan Snyder and a bunch of Redskins have gone to a lot of the Native American lands and reservations and met with uh, folks, and they've done so much to help with the medical needs and the educational needs and helping them with businesses and various things and trying to be, you know, uh, on the right side of things to help folks that are 
in need. And then if you take that away from them, as Mark was saying last night, you pull the name away and you take the light off of them and you don't provide them with anything. What are you doing? Are you hurting their culture? Yes. On one hand, some people perceive that as a slight and obviously that's their choice to do so. But at the same time, when you take the Redskin name away and then you take all of the funding away and everything that's been provided to help them in so many different areas from young kids getting hot meals and educational opportunities and all that. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not allowed to do that because they don't want you to be affiliated with that group anymore. I think it's short-sighted in a lot of ways because you're hurting people as well. And you can look at it from both sides of the coin, but uh, you know, it has to be looked at with all sides. And I think uh, the folks that need to make these decisions are the people most affected. And I know, uh, you know, they've done poll after poll. You go back to the 2016 uh, Washington Post poll where nine out of 10 Native American respondents said they were fine with the name. That's when I looked at it back then. And I said, you know what? I felt better. You know, I looked at it and said, okay, I'm understanding of what's happening. I understand some people are offended. But in a lot of cases, some people are going to be offended. But when I looked at the respondents of this poll and many that uh, overwhelmingly said, let's keep the name, I said, you know what? They are in position to say that. I'm not a Native American. I can't say it. I don't feel good about it. If they feel they want to change, then we need to change it. If they feel like they want to keep it, then in this one poll, and it's only one poll, mind you, but they said overwhelmingly, let's keep the name. So that's where uh, that aspect fell. But now Chicago Blackhawks are basically saying, you know, we're going to keep the name. So then you wonder uh, the great teams out there like the Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves and the Kansas City Chiefs, the world champion Chiefs, are they going to be changing their name soon? I mean, these are questions I have because I'm just wondering and I look at more and more of the names, how many high school teams out there are named Indians and how many are named Warriors? You got the Golden State Warriors. And now I'm reading today that the Washington Redskins football team Warriors name should be off the table. Now, some people say, well, if you're a warrior, maybe a military warrior, it could be looked at from that perspective, or you're a warrior from a standpoint of a Native American, and then you get back in the same uh, soup that you're in before. So maybe it's not a good name. So and then some of the names out there, you're saying, well, you, know, you can pay homage to this group or that group. And uh, jokingly, Ben Maitland, who I have to admit, folks, he always comes up with some great one-liners and great thoughts. Uh, and you know, he's in my ear all the time, and he'll say certain things. And he makes me laugh because he was saying, why don't we just go with puppies? And I started laughing because, as Ben knows, everybody loves puppies. So we can basically name them puppies or kittens or uh, some people send me texts saying, hey, why don't we name the team Team 1, Team 2, Team 3, or Team A, Team B, Team C, and just uh, not offend anybody. But then again, maybe we'll offend somebody that uh, doesn't like numerology. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, when you look at things, uh, the last thing in the world we ever want to do is offend folks. We want to make sure that we can all get along and, and move forward with this. And it's a situation that is fluid, as we know, and we hope that we get some resolution to this soon, but everything is in flux right now and uh, things are changing by the day, but it is definitely something we're keeping our eye on uh, in terms of uh, how it's developing. But that's a situation that is definitely, uh, you know, everybody has an opinion and we'd love to hear from you. 804-327-0888, 804-327-0888 is the number. What's your take on the name changes? Are you for it? Are you against it? Are you want it to change? You want it to stay the same? Uh, let us know. We do want to let you know that uh, we, moving on to the college football world, 
offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Steve Sarkeesian is recovering from heart surgery. Of course, he underwent successful heart surgery last week, the result of an annual physical on the staff. The Alabama football coaching staff participated in annual physicals, and he went last week. It was determined that he had to have a procedure for congenital cardiovascular anomaly. And the statement from Alabama Athletics read that he is basically uh, had the surgery this past Thursday. He was highly successful in Birmingham, Alabama. He's expected to make a full recovery. That's good news. He's set to enter his second year as Alabama's offensive coordinator. And he has been a candidate for some head coaching jobs in the offseason, including uh, Colorado among them. He was credited with helping bring five-star quarterback, um, uh, some of the five-star quarterbacks in there as far as Tua Tagalavoa. He mentored him. Um, and, of course, uh, some of the players there he has helped tremendously. Everywhere he's been, he's had a very good reputation. But, of course, there was the problems at USC with uh, alcohol, and he basically overcame that. But it's a situation that uh, he's he's taken a beating in the land of public opinion in terms of what he's been through, but he's come back strong. And it's good to hear that he is recovering now from heart surgery. We wish him well. 804-327-0888 is the number. And, of course, uh, we're hearing all kinds of things in the world of sports about what's happening out there on the baseball front. Uh, Garrett Cole yesterday was very sharp in an inter-squad scrimmage. I mean, it's good to hear you're hearing some things about uh, you know, uh, how these guys are doing out of the gate. Garrett Cole is sharp, ready to go. When you look at Major League Baseball and you look what's happening there, and the Nationals finally returning to the field, trying to get it going, uh, Jake Diekman of the Oakland Athletics uh, made a comment, if they don't get the testing figured out, then the whole thing will get shut down and shut down quickly. So it's very precarious right now as a guy like Jake Diekman, who has serious questions about Major League Baseball ability to pull off a season, given the issues everywhere. And the big question, the big problem for Major League Baseball players, by and large, is the fact that they're worried about the testing. They take a test, and I know this past week, it was over the 4th of July holiday, there was, in some cases, 72 hours to 96 hours in terms of a delay in terms of getting the testing results back. You cannot do this. If you want to get these guys out there to play baseball, you have to give them daily testing, and we have to have a 24 hour turnaround they have to have somebody there that can get these guys the answers they need because you have guys like Juan Soto now the self-quarantine because of coming in contact with somebody with the COVID situation so some of your key players on key teams will be left off of rosters because of the COVID uh, quarantining and so forth but you got some great matchups coming up but you just don't know which teams and which players will be there and that's a major concern for everyone. Uh, of course, it's going to be a brand new look. No fans in the stands. It's something we're going to have to get used to. But uh, nonetheless, they're getting ready to ramp it up here. And of course, it's going to open up with the Yankees and the Nationals. That should be an exciting matchup. It looks to be uh, Steven Strasburg against Garrett Cole. And what a matchup that would be if that is the matchup uh, on opening night of Major League Baseball. And to be honest with you, you know, I want fans to be there. I was at Steven Strasburg's first game ever against the Pirates where he, he struck out 14 people. And I said, this guy is beyond special. And then, of course, they shut him down shortly thereafter. But you've seen what he can do when he's 100% winning an MVP of the World Series and uh, doing the great things he's done. So you wonder on the front end with a Scherzer and a um, Mad Max, you've got uh, Scherzer and Strasburg at the top of your lineup. You wonder... Uh, when you trot those guys out every five days in a shortened season, if they get hot early and stay hot, you know, we're in as good a position as anybody to win the whole thing again 
And many people were saying, well, you know, maybe an asterisk type season because it's only 60 games in 66 days, but it's still winning a title nonetheless. If the best team wins, the best team wins. But you cannot, and remember this, if your team, whoever your team is, whoever you root for out there gets off to that uh, five and 10 start, five and 12 start, things like that, you better start looking and saying, well, it's time to go fishing because it could be over before it started. You cannot get any deep hole in this Major League Baseball season. The teams that get off and get out quickly are the ones, obviously, are going to be able to maintain the momentum the most, but you have to have quality innings. You have to have quality hits. And the one thing these managers have got to do, and Davey Martinez, especially last year when they were just abysmal to start the season but strong to end the season, of course, with the world title, he has to go in and say, guys, here's the deal. It's a sprint now. It's not a marathon. You have to get out of the gates quick. There is no way, shape, or form we can get in this slowly and find our way and just kind of work our way in. you got to get off the bus. You have to start swinging the bat. You have to start pitching well. And the only way we're going to win this thing is getting off to a fast start. You cannot think in terms of weeks down the road. you got to play this day at a time. And, of course, 60 games in 66 days, these guys are going to be tired. Ben Maitland mentioned to me this, and it's one thing everybody has to really concentrate on, is the injury factor. I had a call last night from a guy in the NFL, and he said basically his biggest concern was, what about the legs of the players? And that's the same with baseball. What about the uh, hamstrings and the sprained ankles and all of the things you worry about, the knee issues, because these guys are, in many cases, shortened in terms of their training abilities. And then when you look at the NFL situation, I'll get into this a little bit later with Mike Neville in hour number two, but when you have no preseason games to speak of, you have no preparation, and you have guys on your roster that you have to plug in and play and look at and say, I want to give this guy a chance, but with no preseason games, you're really saying what his tape shows is all I can go off of. I've either got to sign him or cut him based on the tape. And a lot of key players are going to be dumped that would have otherwise made teams, but they're not going to make it now because of the fact that they have no game tape to be seen. Remember, if Philadelphia plays the Jets and a Jets defensive back plays well in game one and game two, and somebody says, hmm, I'm going to sign that guy and bring him back. But now you have no option to do that. You have to look at his college tape and basically say, I'm either going to bring him in or not bring him in. It's not really fair to the kid because he's trying to make a roster, and he might say, my best ball is in front of me, and I'm getting better as a player. I'm stronger, I'm faster heading into the NFL. But right now, because of the fact that there is no game tape, no preseason games as of right now, uh, you're going to just go into a cold NFL regular season as it is right now. So on this date, on the 8th of July, my take is this. I feel, and this is just my opinion, that the college football season, in many cases, the domino starts today in Harvard in the Ivy League, say they will play in the spring, not in the fall, in the spring. I think on the college side, I easily see college teams pushing this off to the spring because I just think it's too monumental a task right now. Too many things are unknown. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get maybe the Power Five conferences can, but I just don't see how that's going to be. Uh, equitable for all the teams. I think it's a situation where somehow, unless something happens quickly, they will probably push the college football season off into the spring as a whole. I hope not. I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying that's my guesstimate right now on this date on July 8th. Now the NFL, I think the NFL is going to play. I think it's going to be a very shaky start more than likely with no fans. It'll be no fans throughout. 
And it's going to be, once again, something where the Shield is going to find a way, come hell or high water, to play in the NFL. They're not going to miss the revenue. Roger Goodell is telling people already, we're going to get this done somehow, some way. We're going to to fit that square peg in that round hole somehow, some way it's going to work. And they're going to do everything they can to make it work. But when you look at the NFL, you know, that's what they're working on behind the scenes to try to find some kind of way to make it happen. And without fans, they have the TV money to lean on, but not much else. The merchandising is going to suffer. The food and sales are going to suffer. Everything's going to suffer other than the TV money. And that's what they're banking on right now to try to keep them afloat. Yesterday, of course, uh, you hear all kinds of things about asking players to take pay cuts and so forth. And uh, if you saw some of that on the Twitter responses, NFL players being asked to maybe donate money or take pay cuts, and it, it, they were laughable. Uh, there's no way they're going to do that. Uh, so uh, right now, the NFL is on shaky ground. Major League Baseball coming back, but as we're hearing, more and more players are testing positive. And so that's kind of very precarious as well. The NBA uh, trying to get back more and more players are saying no. Bradley Beal yesterday, of course, with a shoulder injury for the Wizards, says he will not play the number two score in the NBA. So you're hearing more and more about the guys who aren't going to show and the guys that won't show will have lasting effects for the teams that are in need of these scoring punches like Bradley Beal. How do you take the number two score in the NBA out of a lineup and then all of a sudden say, hey, we got a good chance Without the number two guy that scores in the NBA, you just don't. It just and then of course there are other top scorer from the outside. Davis Bertans, a great outside shooter, he's not going to go. So you take your number two scorer in the NBA out of the equation, your top outside shooter out of the equation, and you got a lot of nothing. You got a bunch of guys that are going down to Disneyland and basically spending a week because they're going to be out of there as quickly as they got there. Just a situation with the Wizards. It's just not a good one. And Scott Brooks, uh, if he doesn't have gray hair now, he's going to have it soon because coaching that team down there without your number two score in the NBA and your best outside shooter is a tall order indeed. And so the Wizards will be sacrificial lamb down there in Orlando as the NBA tries to get things rolling again. Going to take a timeout. We're going to come back with your phone calls, 804-327-0888, 804-327-0888. More Sports King on the way after these messages. Hi, this is Joe Beninati. You're listening to the Sports King, Jamie King on Sports 106.1. Want to reach the Sports King? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. And welcome back. Wednesday morning edition of the Sports King. Facebook Live Sports 106.1. One of the Sports King Nation members, William Boozer from South Carolina, has... Placed a message online saying, sounds like the sports world is going crazy. Yes, my man, you got it right. It is crazy, crazy times. And we're hearing today, uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, Ben Maitland will be all over this if there's any more developments on this. But it looks like the Ryder Cup will not be played. The PGA of America and European Tour are expected to jointly announce at 11 a.m. in about 11 minutes from now that uh, the Ryder Cup will not take place this year the 43rd biennial bout between the u.s and europe was scheduled for september 25th through 27th along the lake michigan shores of wisconsin at whistling straits the two will meet at the same location and according to espn citing an anonymous source they will play september 30th to october 3rd which was supposed to be the dates for the 2021 president's cup 
the PGA of American European Tour had been considering a variety of options, including playing this year without fans or with limited spectators, but high-profile players voiced concerns over playing a Ryder Cup with no fans. Not a Ryder Cup, world number one, Rory McIlroy said in a tailor-made podcast when asked about a Ryder Cup and how it would be without fans. And basically, uh, that's the feeling of most players. It would not be a Ryder Cup without fans. I mean, that's what makes the game. To be honest with you, that's what makes every game. Uh, the NFL, college football. I mean, college football, I enjoy more than anything the reactions from the fans to see the pomp and circumstance and everything associated with college football. To see it all stripped down and just the game with nothing around it, it it's just very... Uh, I don't know. It's just, just not a good look. It's, it's something that we're going to have to get used to on some level for a short term. We hope short term, but a situation nonetheless that it doesn't make anybody happy. Of course, it's going to cost uh, billions of dollars for college football uh, around the landscape, and it's just something very sad. We hope something can be done. We're hearing some great things on the front of us. There's some of the pharmaceuticals out there. We certainly hope that's a situation that we get something resolved. Many people think maybe by the end of the year that's the hope and that's the wish, but we don't know for sure. I'd love to hear from you today, 804-327-0888, 804-327-0888 is the number. And uh, we'd love to talk to you about sports of all sorts. Of course, we have uh, gone over yesterday the big $503 million deal with Patrick Mahomes. Of course, unprecedented in sports. He's got that, and uh, it's well-deserved. He's going to be the face of that franchise for at least another 10 years. And if you get multiple Super Bowls out of him, uh, which I think they will, and they're in position to do, I think he is going to set the standards there uh, he'll be beloved, uh, and he is right now, but he'll be more beloved as he brings more titles there to Kansas City. And you wonder if they will keep the name Kansas City Chiefs. That is under uh, review right now. They're looking at that as a possible change as well. And we'll keep you up to date on that on the Sports King Show. In our final few minutes of the 10 o'clock hour, uh, we heard from Philadelphia's uh, Phillies, Scott Kingery, and he had a COVID-19 battle that he has faced and uh, basically he had talked about that at length and said, you know, basically about how it's something you definitely don't want to deal with. And uh, he has been able to give firsthand accounts. He said, I tried to play it off, but it didn't go away. He told NBC sports of the symptoms that began on a Thursday. And he said, Saturday around 10 AM, I got chills so bad. I couldn't move without my whole body shaking that night. My fever spiked so high that I sweated through my sheets. It left an imprint on my body. My fever broke Sunday. And I actually felt a little better, but then three or four days later, I lost my sense of taste and smell for a few days. That was really annoying. For a week, I was so tired, low energy, fatigue. Then I experienced shortness of breath for a week. I felt like I laid on the couch for three weeks without moving. I was tired just going up the stairs. Uh, Kingery, 26 years old, is nearly one of uh, nearly 40 players league-wide who publicly identified to test positive for the coronavirus before or on their way to camps as Major League Baseball aims to launch the 60-game uh, season beginning on July 23rd. According to data collected by the USA Today sports team, 16 teams have at least one player who has been identified as testing positive, while at least two other teams have acknowledged positive tests without the player self-identifying. Tuesday, two left-handed pitchers, Jesus Lazardo of the Oakland Athletics and Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox were reported to test positive, which is the latest uh, news there. Uh, preventing them from starting the season on the active list. 
uh, Kingery, and also Atlanta Braves all-star first baseman Freddie Freeman. This guy is huge for the Braves. He stirs the drinks for them, provides a precautionary note that the virus that has killed more than 130,000 Americans is not like any other injury, even for elite athletes. Uh, so Kingery's talking about this and how it affected him. And, folks, you're talking about a guy in his prime in the perfect condition and a lot of these athletes, it's knocking them for a loop. So when you look at that situation and you look at people with underlying uh, health conditions and people of a certain age, it's definitely something you do not want to mess with. And uh, we, of course, continue to talk about social distancing, uh, wearing your mask, being protective and doing all the right things and trying to uh, curtail this. And, of course, there's more outbreaks out there now because state to state, People are trying to open up, get back to normalcy, and then when they do, there's a spike, and then you have to rewind and reset. And uh, So like I say, it's unprecedented times we're going through, and the sports world is no different, but the hope is that they can come up with something to make it work. And I tell them from a Major League Baseball standpoint, look at the Korean leagues. I mean, they're doing some successful things, not having a lot of uh, outbreaks there, and the guys are wearing masks, and you see the players sitting in the stands. They're doing something right there. So we need to look and learn from them, and whatever works from wherever it comes from, whatever country that is working well on the sports side, we need to incorporate that into our landscape to make sure it can work and we have something we can look forward to. But, of course, coming up in uh, – just three, a uh, couple weeks actually from now, it'll be Major League Baseball starting up, and they've got a Major League lineup uh, on opening night, of course, Nationals and Yankees. I can't wait for that. But then when you look at the team, you wonder, will there be a Juan Soto in the lineup? Of course, there's no Anthony Rendon in the lineup. He has gone off to the Angels. So you wonder how your Nationals team is going to look if you're a local fan. You wonder uh, the Braves, when they open up without a Freddie Freeman, who's going to, you don't replace Freddie Freemans. They don't grow on trees. You basically have to uh, kind of look around your team and try to uh, cobble together a lineup you feel will be your best uh, bet to win. And when you look at uh, the Braves, I mean, they're a team that has they have high hopes this year as well. And you wonder, uh, all the teams out there, uh, who has the best chance in a shortened deal? It's going to be, of course, pitching uh, is going to be the major aspect. It always is. And then timely hitting and the team that gets out of the gates quickly. And I guarantee you, you know, that's the focus of every team out there is do not delay. Get out of the gates as fast as you can. So anyway, Scott Kingery talking about uh, to NBC Sports what he dealt with. And he said, you do not want to get this. He said it is nothing to fool around with. And he was really in bad shape, but he's on the men now a situation that uh, we're definitely monitoring. And uh, every day as you hear players, they're going to have out that uh, COVID-19 report, and they're going to talk about the players that basically are on the list or not on the list. Some will not be listed. It'll just say players, and it'll have a number maybe associated with it. But uh, due to HIPAA regulations, a lot of the players do not want their names on the COVID-19 list. They want to keep it off there for their own personal reasons, and that is definitely their choice. I mean, it's a situation that uh, they're in position uh, uh, possession of their own brand, so if they don't want it to get out there, it doesn't have to get out there. It's one of those things where uh, you will read that maybe four players today are on the COVID-19 list, but it may not tell you which players which is going to be tough for you because if you're trying to evaluate whether your team will win or lose that day, uh, you know, it's a situation where you won't really know all the facts. You will just see a number associated with your team, and then you'll have to guess who the team 
uh, member is that is not playing when you see the lineup thrown out there, but you won't always know. We do want to close out this uh, hour with some news about Jimmy Johnson. He has been cleared to race in NASCAR after a positive COVID-19 test. He's grateful for the incredible support of the NASCAR community and everybody across the uh, country that has supported him. Of course, Jimmy Johnson uh, is a fan favorite. He's a guy that's always done great things in the sport and uh, very highly thought of. He's been cleared to return to racing starting with Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series race at Kentucky Speedway. Hendricks Motorsports announced this yesterday, actually this morning. Uh, they announced Friday, this past Friday, that uh, Johnson had tested positive for the coronavirus and he missed the Sunday Brickyard 400, officially called the Big Machine Hand Sanitizers. <laughs> Can't miss this. The Big Machine Hand Sanitizer 400, powered by Big Machine Records at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was the first time that Johnson has missed a race in his Cup Series career since he began racing full-time in 2002. He is the seven-time champion to return to the track. NASC requirements which follow current CDC guidelines said Johnson needed to be symptom anti-symptomatic. As he explained, he has been. He's had two negative COVID-19 tests in at least 24 hours apart, and he has been cleared by his doctor. So Jimmy Johnson coming back to the track. Yeah, it's very concerning, this COVID situation, because you have the mayor of Atlanta who just came down with it and said, I feel fine. I don't have any symptoms. So uh, I really think the blood types, they're starting to talk more and more about that, how that's affecting this situation and it's ongoing. And uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson successfully returned to the track. Great news there. Going to take a time out. Come back an hour or two with your phone calls. 804-327-0888 and Mike Neville with his unique take on the world of sports all that and more coming your way in the hour two of the Sports King Show don't touch that dial we'll be right back after these messages Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. Our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back. Wednesday edition of the Sports King. Some folks were asking me how my yoga experience went. As my commercial says, I'm flexible. I can't do Tuesdays. I can do Thursdays. Now, this yoga thing, let me say this. Let me go on record on this yoga thing. It's one of those things as you gain age, 
and you gain pounds, you you want to remain flexible. It's tough, folks. It, it's and when I watch these young folks, and maybe there's an older yoga channel I can watch because the young lady and the young gentleman I was watching on this channel asking me to do these things. I felt like I was in a game of Twister. And for you people of a certain age, you know what Twister is all about. And your body just doesn't go those positions. I mean, my mind wanted to go there, but just couldn't get there. And so I sat and watched for a while and said, no, nice to think about doing that. But uh, so I went to the regular stretching and tried to do that. But man, some of this yoga stuff, unbelievable. My man, Ben Maitland, maybe he's doing that, but not me. Uh, I think the younger folks out there are much more flexible, have a better opportunity, but that yoga stuff, is, uh, it's not as easy as it looks. Take it from the old sports king. want to let you know that, uh, as we mentioned, Garrett Cole, the pitcher for the Yankees, who signed that uh, amazing $324 million, he's the ace for that team. Well, yesterday in his first inter-squad scrimmage, um, he uh, – through five innings of one-hit ball, only 67 pitches, 43 for strikes, six strikeouts, two walks, so he's ready to go. And he needed four pitches to punch out the leadoff man, uh, Mike Tauschman, before allowing his only hit of the evening, a first-pitch home run to Miguel Andujar. And he said he thought it was a good start. It was nice to get through five innings. He said they were efficient, and they bounced back from a couple walks. So the $324 million man, Garrett Cole, is uh, in prime shape, ready to go up. And we think uh, he went for six uh, Ks, allowed one hit in five innings in the Yankee scrimmage, uh, that he's going to be ready for Steven Strasburg and the Nationals on opening night. So that's a situation that we're excited about. And uh, we want to go out to the phone lines right now. Of course, a regular contributor to our show. He is the owner of MHN Productions, longtime broadcaster, a guy that covers high school sports. He covers college sports. He's covered the NFL. He's covered pro sports, covered it all. He is Mike Neville. We welcome him to the show. Good morning, my man. Good morning, Sports King. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. And, of course, I've got to ask you your thoughts. Yesterday, the big news, Patrick Mahomes, $503 million. Mike, I've got to ask you, I mean, when we came up and you look at some of the salaries, I remember talking with Mark Mosley, and, of course, he came up through the 70s. They said, yeah, I remember that first, and I asked all these uh, older players about their salaries in terms of their bonuses just to get an idea of maybe their first big purchase or their first big contract. And he said, yeah, I remember walking out to the practice field and I signed that $2,500 dollar bonus and this is from a future future nfl mvp 1982 and you flash back to all those years ago and now i think these guys tip that probably uh when they go get pick up their car i mean when you look at the numbers 503 million if anybody's deserving of it and you know that's conjecture as to whether or not anybody really is but from a market value standpoint patrick mahomes i love the kid i love his class i love the way he plays and you know you're going to have to probably go through Kansas City to win a world title as a Buffalo fan. Uh, talk about Patrick Mahomes, his makeup, and what makes him so special. Well, it's staggering that we're talking about that amount of money to play a game. I just, I'm just, it just baffles me. I mean, he's, like you say, it's, it's uh, kudos to him because he's certainly done. You know, he's won a title. He was in the uh, 
uh, uh, AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. So, I mean, he's, he's getting it done on the field, but uh, come on, Jamie, let's be realistic. I mean, there's so many other things that that money could be used for. And, you know, uh, I'm fearful, as yeah. I think we've talked before, about sports, uh, you know, with this pandemic. Uh, you know, I told you before, I talked to you a couple of days ago that uh, I'm trying to be optimistic, but, uh, boy, boy, each day goes by and you kind of get a little bit more pessimistic if we're going to, in fact, have a season of any sort in any sport. So uh, it's interesting. But as far as uh, Mahomes go, you knew it was coming uh, after his performance in the Super Bowl and what he's done the last few years. And uh, I give Kansas City credit in this regard that, uh, you know, they know they've got the man, they've got their franchise quarterback, which a lot of programs and teams can't say, and they didn't hesitate. They jumped right on it. Now, how will this affect the salary cap in a few years, you know, the next several years? It's anybody's guess. I mean, you know, we're talking next year, maybe the salary cap going down because of the loss of money. If uh, they get the full season in, it starts, or if it starts on time, then it should be okay. But if it starts later, if they have to scrub games, or if they get started and have to cancel altogether, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the salary cap goes. But uh, I, I give kudos to the Chiefs because that's a forward-thinking organization that didn't want to wait and possibly lose this young man and uh, got on the horn. And, you know, you talk about the uh, – the guys that got this game on the TV, the guys in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, you know, you're talking about Lombardi's Packers, Chuck Knowles, Steelers, and, uh, you know, Gibbs, uh, Redskins, and so forth, and Al Davis with the Oakland Raiders. And those guys had to work, you know, in the, when the summer off season, they would get a part-time job to uh, supplement their <laughs> their football salary. And, uh, again, these guys, uh, they don't have to do that <laughs> nowadays, trust me. And you use Redskins in a sentence, Mike. Uh, I don't think that's permitted anymore, so make sure you don't do that, okay? Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, of course, Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs will be next. But moving into that territory right now, the Eagles, Deshaun Jackson. Now, here's a situation that he goes on Instagram, he goes on Twitter, and he basically uh, says disparaging things of hate against the Jewish community after posting anti-Semitic messages. Now, Cole Thompson, our NFL insider in hour number one, was talking about the fact that when you look at a situation like a Drew Brees, who talked about kneeling, and uh, he got that all wrong and basically had to offer an apology and was dragged through the mud on that situation, and he was really in uh, deep soup, as you can imagine. Now, Deshaun Jackson, uh, many people say maybe he should be uh, cut immediately because of the offensive, harmful, and absolutely inappropriate and appalling things he said to the Eagles. Now, you have to understand, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner and general manager, Harry Roseman are Jewish from a Jewish faith standpoint. So they're sitting there and you got a starting wide receiver, you know, speaking out against the Jewish community. It doesn't play well in Philadelphia. I don't think it plays well anywhere, but it looks like uh, Jackson might not even receive much backlash in terms of maybe the position. He'll be allowed to maybe stay with the team. I don't know if you feel he should or should not. But uh, I just don't know from a, from a standpoint of him saying, "Hey, hey, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I you know don't have any hate in my heart. And please uh, look the other way. Pay no attention to me. Uh, we want to play this real quick. Uh, ben has uh, the apology from Deshaun Jackson. Let's take a listen to the wide receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, first off, extend an apology on the behalf of me and uh, what I stand for because you know. I, I'm one that's fair and I, I never want to put any race down or any people down. And, uh, you know, my post was definitely not intended for any, anybody of any race to feel any type of way, especially the Jewish community. 
Mike, uh, he says that, but then he says, I have no hate towards the Jewish community. I didn't mean to <laughs> compare them to Hitler and so forth and all the things I said about Hitler and uh, Jewish people taking over the world. I, I didn't mean any of that. It's something I, I apologize. I didn't really mean it. Uh, I, you know, are you kidding me, Mike? That, I mean, what's your take on this whole situation? Well, different strokes for different folks. I mean, it's amazing that uh, there is no backlash, and he probably won't get any backlash. And, you know, he makes that statement, and like you say, the apology, it was, didn't seem like a real heartfelt apology, in my opinion, uh, you know, but he said he has no hate in his heart. Well, yeah, you do because of what you said. I mean, you know, and, and this is a time uh, of, uh, you know, the uh, unrest with social injustice, protests, and so forth. Uh, really not the time. And not, it's really never a good time, but especially now, and uh, like you said, I'm not surprised there's no uh, repercussions from him, uh, from his actions, from the team or the organization, because that's the way it has gone. These uh, players uh, seem to have the upper hand, that, uh, and there really isn't uh, many organizations that have the guts to uh, pull the plug on a, a talent like a Deshaun Jackson or somebody else after uh, saying something like that. So uh, from that regard, I'm not surprised at all, but uh, it just seems like there's different strokes for different folks in this day and age. Mike, you started hour number two bringing up whether or not we'd have an NFL season. That's still in doubt. When you look at the college football season coming up uh, momentarily, there's going to be a ruling with the Ivy League. The Ivy League saying potentially we're not going to play football now in the fall. It's going to be pushed off to April of next year. Uh, many people feel this might be the tip of the iceberg or a tipping point for college football. What do you think in terms of college football, the power five conferences need the money. Of course it goes to all the other aspects in terms of funding, all the other sports. Do you see right now on the 8th of July, any way possible for a college football season? Or do you think this Ivy league is just going to be uh, the wave of the future for college football? Well, you did say Ivy league. Okay. So, I mean, from that regard, nobody cares, okay? Now, when the SEC or the ACC... Uh, hey, send all your hate mail to Mike Neville, Ivy League fans. No, go ahead. Uh, uh, you cannot be serious! When, when, <laughs> when they say something, you got to perk up and listen, okay? This is the Ivy League. Nobody cares. I didn't even know they had football in here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it's when these Power Ooh. Five conferences start start to make, uh, uh, make a... Uh, you know, hayway hey as far as what they're going to play or not, that's when you're going to start to uh, really take it serious. And, uh, again, it, it, it changes every day. I don't see how they can play. I really don't. College level, pro level, that's a contact sport. We've talked many times. Uh, I just don't know how they're going to play. But uh, from a college standpoint, I feel real bad for the athletes, but also for the colleges because there's so, so much money that is in uh, the coffer for the uh, college football. And that, that money, of course, trickles down to other sports uh, that are, allows them to participate as well. So it's a real, real tough situation. And uh, I feel bad for the kids. And, you know, even at the high school level, you know, uh, What's going to happen uh, there? Are they going to be able to play? And uh, they're, they're battering around the different uh, scenarios and so forth. But you, you really feel for the kids, especially the ones who are entering their season, uh, senior seasons. Hopefully, they'll get a chance to play. But again, uh, not to be critical of the Ivy League, but I guess I was. But uh, you got you to wait till see what the, uh, the big guys say, the big boys say, the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC, and the, and the likes. 
Mike, I just received a call uh, during your comments. The Ivy League has now said that you will not be flipping the coin for the Harvard-Yale contest coming up, so that uh, you've been taken off the list for that. So just want to let you know. Uh, Coach Ogeron, what do you have to say about uh, Mike Neville and his comments? Go Tigers! Okay, so we know Go where <laughs> exactly. We know Annoying, how he feels. Obnoxious, disruptive, <laughs> irritating. I could go on for hours. See, there you go, Mike. Uh, ben Maitland all yeah. over it. Of course, not a he's not a fan of your Ivy League uh, aspect there, but no. Uh, so the Ivy League may be a tipping point, people. may not be a tipping point. We don't know there, but uh, I'm looking at different things. Of course, Major League Baseball, extremely upset. Rob Manfred, here's the thing. You get three months to prepare for something to get these guys some confidence to go <laughs> into a situation where you say, okay, guys, report. we got 60 games, 66 days. They finally get forced to do it. They say they're going to do it. Then they show up, they get tested, and they say, oh, by the way, it's 4th of July. We're not going to get your test results for three or four days, and these guys are losing their minds. If they can't test and get the results in a timely fashion within a 24-hour period, these guys don't want to play. Do you understand the player standpoint, and do you think Rob Manford once again missed the boat? Yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, I know there was a lot of stuff going on, but come on now, you got to – you know, player safety. We always hear that in every sport, don't we? I mean, players. This is player safety. You got to uh, have the tests ready and available, and you got to get the results back in a timely fashion. And uh, three or four days is not a timely fashion. And with today's technology, you would think you could get it, you know, within hours. Uh, but I certainly understand where the players are coming from. You know. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're concerned. They have families, and you know, uh, concerned about maybe you know getting around someone that has uh, COVID, and uh, you know, then you go to elderly parents or grandparents, and who knows what happens. You know, so I certainly uh, understand where the players are coming from with their concerns, and that's why I think uh, with regard to the uh, restart up of uh, leagues, it's uh, still not uh, etched in stone that we are going to see uh, live sports in the uh, near future. One of the live sports uh, we're going to talk about the NBA. I want you to take a listen to Adam Silver and get your thoughts on his comments. Here is our commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. We won't be surprised when they first come down to Orlando if we have some additional players to test positive. What would be most concerning is once players enter this campus and then go through our quarantine period, then if they were to test positive or if we were to have any positive tests, we would know we would have an issue. Mike, uh, you hear the commissioner there. When you look at, uh, and I saw some of the food being presented to the NBA players, this stuff, every single individual item is wrapped up in plastic. I mean, it's like they're in the space shuttle or something. I mean, you're looking at the protective measures. And uh, uh, before long, it'll probably be housekeeping wearing hazmat suits coming in. I I mean, it's getting to that point, and you have to really uh, do all these type of things to keep these guys protected. And then some of them are saying, hey, I want to bring my families in. I mean, it's just a situation. I don't worry as much about the players once they're tested in the facility, in that bubble deal. But when you look at the people serving the food, the people that come in from outside and bringing outside potential germs in, those things get a little shady in terms of uh, how it could work for the NBA players. Do you feel that it's going to be something they can get off and be successful with? Or do you think it's going to be every day more and more guys falling by the wayside? I kind of think it's going to be more and more day guys falling by the wayside. I believe Bradley Beal has already announced that he will not uh, uh, join the Wizards and, and uh, get the season restarted, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think as we get closer to this, uh, you know, Canton and so forth, I think you're going to see more and more names, uh, certainly uh, 
on the fence and uh, maybe leading not to show up. And, uh, again, I certainly understand their concerns. Uh, I applaud Adam Silver for uh, earlier when he was starting about uh, talking about getting the uh, league restarted. He said, and one thing that uh, we all, you know, being sports fans, certainly agree with, he said, you know, sports matters, and it does be in this, in this sense, uh, not only is it entertainment, but it also gives you a diversion from all the problems we are seeing in today's world. So I think it's very important. But having said that, again, from a player standpoint, yeah, they make a lot of money. I certainly understand their concerns about wanting to uh, start up again. But as you, my, you know, my famous saying is, you can't live in fear. So let's give it a shot and let's pray to, and to, that it'll all work out and that we will indeed see uh, live sports back on the air and uh, up and running. I've been out recently wearing a mask, and you know you're out there in 90, 100 degree heat, and it is just, it's just not easy. It's not a comfortable thing if you're not used to it. It's one of those things that uh, takes some getting used to. And uh, I see online, I was watching LeBron James practicing on the court. Mike, he's running up and down the court with a mask on. I mean, wow. yeah, I'm just thinking to myself, these guys. Uh, with their heart rates and how fast they run, how much breath they need to get up and down the court and how much territory they cover running full speed. And now they're practicing with masks on. I I certainly hope that they can get these guys in there and make sure that they're safe enough that they don't have to wear masks. They can practice. I think from a health standpoint, they're saying now that breathing in a mask situation for prolonged periods is not good to breathe in your own air for that long a period. Number one, number two, uh, they say if you get any moisture inside of your mask, any mask you may have, that you run the risk of bacteria and all that. So there's all kinds of issues here. But to see King James out there running with a mask and practicing with a mask, uh, I, I just don't know. I, I certainly hope that uh, the NBA does something to allow these guys to practice without masks and uh, be able to feel comfortable doing so. Well, LeBron James might feel comfortable. He's a, a quite a, an unbelievable specimen as far as, you know, the way he's worked out and so forth. But it, that, that may not fit everybody's uh, M.O. as far as, you know, going up and down the court with a mask on. So, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully there's no repercussions with him as far as uh, his health goes. But uh, I don't know how you could do it, uh, you know. I had a hard enough time running up and down the court with no mask on. So, I mean, uh, I just don't know how these guys can do it with a mask on. I just think you're asking for trouble uh, as you continually play with a mask on. You never ran up and down the court. Uh, you basically waited on one end for the court. action. Yeah, you waited for the action to come I, down to you. Going to yep. <laughs> yep. take a time out. you call a cherry picker. There you go. I was a cherry picker. Uh, we are going to take a time out. We're going to come back with Mike Neville. I want to get his opinion on the state of college football and the standpoint of if you were the father of Trevor Lawrence, the outstanding quarterback and presumptive number one pick in next year's NFL draft, would you allow him to play this year? We're going to talk about that, the pros and cons of that, and much, much more on the college landscape in terms of football and whether the top players should or should not play this season. We'll talk about that as the Sports King rolls on. Hour two underway just a minute. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports King on a Wednesday morning. Hi, this is Andre Ryden, and you're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the podiatry center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts. 
hard cast. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back. Wednesday morning edition. We continue with our great friend Mike Neville, the conversation on sports. And real quick, we'll play that one cut, Ben. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the reaction for getting that deal, the greatest sports contract in sports history. Here's what number 15 said about the deal in Kansas City. Um, it's it's an exciting time. I'm just glad that I get to continue building this this legacy in Kansas City. Uh, obviously with everything going on in the world with, with, with COVID and, and all this different stuff to have this, this stuff, this, this security to go into the community and be able to give back. I, I can't wait to not only build this legacy on the field, but off of it. And uh, I'm excited for the future ahead for not only me, but the Kansas city chiefs and the, and the communities that have brought me up so far. Mike, I think he's going to win some more titles here in KC. The guy's just lights out the best in the business right now. And if he wants to donate to, a couple charities, I think the Neville King charity uh, broadcasters, uh, we would be accepting of any donation. Patrick, if you want to fund this deal, we'll take all donations. Anyway, uh, just a great we, player, great kid, great community guy. Absolutely. Um, do want to turn our attention to college football again. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, a quarterback for Clemson. Some of the top names coming out next year. If you're the father of a Trevor Lawrence, would you say, hey, look at my 2019 film and I had this question posed to me, so I'm going to pose it to you. What would I do? What would you do, Mike? Would you say go ahead and play the 2020 season as a competitor, but if you put yourself out there and run the risk of catching the COVID-19 and put yourself in harm's way, do you want to even put yourself in that situation, or do you want to just say, hey, I'm going to make myself available for the 2020 draft uh, and 2020 uh, draft and basically get ready uh, for that and work out and get ready for the NFL? versus, you know, preparing for college football season. What do you think the top players will do? What should they do? Well, it's a unique, unique situation uh, for Lawrence and all the top guys that are, you know, projected to be in the uh, top 10 in next year's uh, NFL draft. Uh, you know, uh, unlike, you know, not playing in a bowl game after playing a full season and uh, waiting for the draft, uh, it's a very different situation. Like you said, the threat of uh, COVID existing. But uh, in Lawrence's case, he certainly has enough tape uh, that uh, the scouts can see and they've seen him. And, and the thing about Lawrence and a lot of these top 10 picks, they usually play in big games, big bowl games and, uh, and so forth. So, uh, you know, uh, would not surprise me if he didn't play. Uh, I think he probably wants to play. Most players do, uh, just to stay in, 
you know, shape and you continue to get reps. I mean, there's nothing like reps, you know, in game reps to uh, continue to hone your skill. And uh, I think Trevor Lawrence, he's shown flashes of brilliance. He really has. And uh, probably is going to be the number one pick in next year's draft. But uh, like I say, a unique situation for these uh, top 10 players because, like I say, they have a lot of tape a lot of film for these uh, scouts to look at, so there's really no need for them to perform. So, uh, again, it's a personal choice. And uh, if I was his dad, I'd say go out and play. But, again, I certainly understand the risk, but there's, there's risk in everyday life. And, uh, you know, I uh, uh, I would expect Trevor to play. And I, I, I know Dabble is sitting there praying every day, going, you know, and uh, <laughs> pleading with God to have him show up on that field. I can guarantee you Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the NFL, uh, the name uh, situation, of course, uh, very fluid, changing every minute of every day. More and more people are showing offense to certain names. And, of course, uh, we'll talk about the Chicago Blackhawks in a moment. Of course, it came out today that that's a name of honor and of heritage. And so that's going to be okay. Washington Redskins, not so much. The Redskins are not saying what names are under consideration for change. The Warriors, though, the Washington Warriors was the intended name of an arena football league team in Washington that never came to be. So that never happened there. Ron Rivera, Daniel Snyder are talking about it and trying to come up with something that will continue the mission of honoring and support of Native Americans and the military. So if they say the Washington Warriors, there are people out there saying, even though Walter Reed National Military Medical Center is nearby, and of course, a lot of those guys and gals get to come to games. Uh, they feel that uh, in some cases, uh, this lady, Amanda Blackhorse uh, of the American tri- uh, Native American tribe said, uh, if that's your idea, have they learned nothing? Basically, she is a Navajo woman who tried to have Washington's team uh, uh, federal trademark registrations canceled in a long running court case. She feels the team may try to revive the Spear and Feathers logo on the helmets from the Sonny Jurgensen era of the 1960s. So the Warriors can't be the Washington Warriors for the connotation of the military. That's not going to fly. You can't do the uh, feathers and the spear on the side of the helmet like Sonny Jurgensen wore. All the Golden State Warriors, I guess that's okay because that's a different warrior connotation. This is what I'm saying, Mike. Everywhere you look from all sides, you can pick and pick and pick. What is it? You pick and choose what you like, what you don't like, what you offend, what doesn't offend. Where do you come down on this? I mean, because right now you're talking about a team from 1933. They tore down the statue of uh, George Preston Marshall, of course, uh, should have done that because the guy was not inclusive. He was forced to bring on the first uh, African-American player, Bobby Mitchell, who was a legend for the Redskins, recently passed away. Uh, But he was uh, a racist in some ways, and, of course, they tore his statue down. How do you come down on this in terms of the Redskins' name? Of course, Mark Mosley last night spoke with him. He said, hey, Dan Snyder and I have gone around the world basically meeting with Navajo tribes and Native American tribes and basically meeting with them. And they, by and large, are benefiting from the financial contributions, uh, providing meals for kids, educational assistance, uh, all types of things there are the positives. He said, what happens if we take that away? You take the Redskins' name away, which he was honored to play for for 12 seasons. He says, you take that away from them and don't shine the light on them anymore, and they don't receive any of the accolades or the money or all the things that they're getting in terms of assisting them in daily life, and then there's no light on them whatsoever, and they go into obscurity, and then it doesn't benefit them anymore. So where do you come down on this? Yeah, well, that's one thing, uh, you know, in this whole 
uh, name situation. I haven't really seen polls or you know a, a great uh, protest against the name. I know they certainly. I know they have uh, uh, folks that are against the name, but for the most part, I really haven't seen an overwhelming protest against the name. I may be missing something, but uh, I, you know, this is as you mentioned, it's a uh, a name that's been around forever, and it certainly is linked to great success and, uh, and the NFL. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. I mean, I really do think the name changes on the way. I didn't think that was possible several years ago when Daniel Snyder said he would never change the name, but I think he's going to have to be forced into changing the name. And uh, I'm not a big fan of it, you know. And like you said, the thing is, you can nitpick and you can, you know, you find something offensive and you could change a lot of a lot of different franchises, a lot of different college program names and so forth. And a lot of programs have done that, you know, and uh, at the college ranks. So it, it's it's a domino effect, but uh, it doesn't bother me. But again, I, I you know, I, the Native Americans, I, I don't know uh, what the, uh, is there more in favor, more not in favor? I don't know. I haven't seen any numbers on those kind of polls and so forth. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure this is just eating away at Dan Snyder because, like I said, you know, he grew up a Washington Redskins fan. And, uh, you know, he's probably, uh, if he, like I said, you think he's going to actually change the name. I think he's going to be devastated when he has to do that. Here's my take. This out of Chicago, the Chicago Blackhawks, your big hockey fan, say they will continue to use their team name because it honors a Native American leader who has been an inspiration to generations. The Chicago Blackhawks uh, basically name and logo uh, symbolizes an important and historic person, Blackhawk of Illinois, Sac, and Fox Nation, whose leadership and life has inspired generations of Native Americans, veterans in the public, the NHL team said in a statement on Tuesday. We celebrate Blackhawk's legacy by offering ongoing reverent examples of Native American culture, traditions, and, con- and contributions, providing a platform of genuine dialogue with local and national Native American groups. As the team's popularity grew over the past decade, so did the platform and our work with these important organizations. And if you look at the Blackhawks logo, it's a smiling Native American. And, of course, uh, that's what they've always had. So when you look at that and then you look at the Redskins and you say, hey, we're honoring the team. The song says fight for old D.C., Braves on the Warpath. It's a song that is a complimentary song that people get behind, they cheer for. And then you say, well, you know, what if you come out and say, hey, this is a team name that is a you know name we feel is something that shines a positive light, not a negative light, and that, that whole deal hasn't really flown very well. People are not buying it there on the Redskins side, but the Blackhawks side come out with this, and it's supposed to be no problem, no fuss, don't look here, don't even think about changing the name. So that's the thing. I mean, it's I guess who's coming up with the per- perspective, who's coming up with their case, who states it the best and says, you know, my team, you know, uh, you can't change it. We had uh, Trey on the other day from Minnesota Vikings fandom. He is a big fan of the Vikings. He said the Vikings are now under siege, Mike Neville, uh, for yeah. potential rape and plundering and all the things that Vikings have done. And people are talking about changing that name. And he was uh, not very happy about that. And you wonder where it's going to stop. The Florida State Seminoles, the Atlanta Braves, are they in danger? Are the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in danger? I mean, these franchises have been around forever. And you just wonder where this cancel culture is going to stop and where should it stop? Right, exactly. And with regard to the uh, Blackhawks, I think the difference you're seeing, there's not a whole lot of uh, – 
protesting about the Blackhawks name, to my knowledge. And I just it just shows the difference in the sports. I mean, the NFL is king when it comes to uh, you know number one sports. The NHL not there. I mean, it's you know third or fourth maybe on the list. So I think that's uh, one telling tale between those two, between the Redskins and the Blackhawks situation. But uh, I just don't know what the the harm of the name does. To be honest with you, uh, just like tearing down these statues, I just don't get you know what the what the harm is. Uh, you know, their statues, their, their history, and uh, you know, it's uh, uh, that's something we should all you know. Uh, learn from and uh, learn from history and so forth, but uh, it's going to continue. And like I say, it uh, when it ends, I, I don't know. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how many of these programs and uh, teams uh, cave to these uh, pressures from outside sources to change the name. Ben Maitland reported during break the Ryder Cup has been uh, changed. It'll be next September 24th through 26th at Whistling Straits and a situation that's going to be in uh, the even years, odd years. It's going to be next year in an odd year. Of course, it was switched to even due to the 9-11 situation and uh, went to even. Now it's going back to odd. The Presidential Cup, uh, the President's Cup is going to be Quill Hollow in 2022. Uh, Mike, you're seeing golf having some limited success. Of course, uh, not a lot of fans. They thought Muirfield Village would bring them back for the memorial coming up. Of course, they talked about that. That's not going to happen now. Uh, golf, you think with an outside venue, an opportunity to walk out and maybe with a mask walk around and stay six feet apart outside, you think golf would be a perfect sport to allow fans to come back in, maybe not full force, but to allow them to come back in. But it doesn't seem like the PGA is open to doing that right away. No, and uh, with regard to the Ryder Cup, it's such an emotional uh, tournament that, you know, because you've got the U.S. against the Europeans, and boy, the fans on both sides uh, get into it, whether the U.S. is hosting or uh, it's over in Europe being hosted over there. It's such a, uh, you know, a passionate uh, fan base, and uh, so kind of, uh, I'm not surprised that the Ryder Cup decided not to uh, try it this year without fans, because uh it would really be difficult to drum up that kind of intensity and excitement for the uh, for that tournament. But uh, as far as uh, the uh, regular PGA, it, it's uh, I'm with you. I thought this you know this was an excellent opportunity to get sports back up with fans because, like you say, uh, now they do draw quite a bit of you know a ton of fans, and uh, you know they're always especially if Tigers in a in a in the field or uh, Phil, um, and now you know with uh, Deshambo the way he's changed the game a little bit with his. Uh, uh, hitting the ball so far, uh, and those fans, I mean, they crowd around the greens and so forth, so it'd be hard to keep them socially distanced from one another, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe you could do it on a limited basis, you know, instead of, you know, 20,000 or whatever, you drop it down to 2,000, I, I don't know, but uh, it really, when you're watching on TV, I don't know if you've watched much on TV, but uh, it is really kind of an eerie feeling when somebody hits a great shot and you're waiting for an explosion of uh, crowd cheers and there's nothing, you know, you hear a, a chirping of a bird and uh, it's really different. And I'm, I'm sure it's different for these guys uh, too. Uh, and the ladies on the LPGA tour, you know, it, it's, it's a different situation. Uh, some, it might help some guys and, you know, other guys that rely on that uh, emotional swing to get the crowd behind them. Uh, it might hurt them. So, uh, but I'm with you. I thought golf would be the, uh, the perfect sport to uh, get back uh, and start with fans, you know, but that looked like that's going to happen anytime soon. 
Our special guest, Mike Neville, joining us, of course, the owner of MHN Productions. He covers high school, college, pro sports. He does it all and has done it for quite a long time. Mike, I want to turn my attention right now before we go to break to a real sport, something that we really need to pay attention to, something we should have paid attention to over the 4th of July weekend because you're talking about one of the greatest competitors of all time, not Michael Jordan, not Jimmy Johnson, not Denny Hamlin, none of those athletes. I'm talking about great athletes. I'm talking about Joey Chestnut, Mike. He claims the 13th title at Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Mike, the likes of which have never been seen before. Joey Chestnut, he's not of this world. Your thoughts? Can you tell Ben to play that, John McEnroe? You cannot be serious because you're not serious. You cannot be serious! I am serious. Mike, we're talking about Joey Chestnut, a former construction manager. Listen to me. This is one of the most grotesque things I've ever seen on TV. A guy shoving a hot dog after hot dog into his pie hole. I mean, come on, give me a break. This is a joke. I mean, uh, but uh, it, I can't. I, I don't. I don't even watch a second of it. Uh, you know, because it's so gross. And I just, uh, you know, if, when you put you said Michael Jordan, Danny Hamlin, and other athletes, and you put this bozo in that category. Come on, give me a break. Mike, I take offense to that. Joey Chestnut, a former construction manager. <laughs> Joey Chestnut, a former construction manager from San Jose, California. Mike, he holds 40, count him, 40 titles in Major League Eating competitions. I want him on this show. I, I need him on this show. I can handle the truth. I want him here because his record includes the most uh, Gaizoias. What's a Gaizoia, by the way? Gaioza? What is a Gaioza? Maybe Ben can uh, G-Y-O-Z-A-S. What is a Gaioza? I, I don't think I've ever eaten a Gaioza. The most hard-boiled eggs. In 10 minutes, 151 hard-boiled eggs. Try that sometime, Mike Neville. And the most pizzas no. eaten in 10 minutes. Seven and a half pizzas eaten in 10 minutes. Uh, you got to understand, this guy is of another world. 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Man, we're not talking small feats here. This guy beat the nearest competitor by like 35 hot dogs. Joey Chestnut is a legend, Mike, and you need to recognize that. Hey, Mom, During this break. The meatloaf! <laughs> We want it now! The meatloaf! He could eat, eat the meatloaf, too. Anyway, we're going to take a time out with Mike Neville, and I'm going to talk to him during the break about opening up his heart and his mind to the greatness of Joey Chestnut as the sports king rolls on this Wednesday morning. Hi, this is former Virginia Tech defense coordinator Bud Foster, and you're listening to a sports king, Jamie King on Sports 106.1. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. The Sports King Studio Line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. And we welcome you back to the Sports King final few minutes with our great friend Mike Neville. And I found out during the break that the Gaioza, and this is educational, 
It's juicy on the inside, crispy and golden brown on the outside. It's a Japanese pan-fried dumpling. That's a gyoza, popular weeknight meal as well as a great appetizer. So, Mike, next time I come to your house, serve me up some gyoza, and we'll do the Joey Chestnut thing. Mike, uh, I'm really upset with you, and during the break, I, (laughs) I took umbrage with you on the Joey Chestnut thing. You're talking about a guy, when you look at what he's done, Six foot one, two hundred and thirty pounder, eating phenom. This guy has done it all. He'll be a future guest on this show. Just some of the numbers, Mike. And you're talking Cal Ripken s, maybe Pete Rose type numbers. Nathan Hot Dog, seventy five <laughs> in ten minutes. What? 100, 141 hard boiled eggs in eight minutes. Fifty five glazed donuts in eight minutes. Pulled pork sandwiches, forty five in ten minutes. Taco Bell soft shell beef tacos, fifty three in ten minutes. Chicken wings, one hundred and eighty two in thirty minutes. And it, the list goes on and on. My even Big Mac sandwiches, thirty two Big Macs in thirty eight minutes. My, Mike, it's almost like the Ted Williams four hundred six number. I mean, these type of numbers are just phenomenal. Your thoughts? Yeah, when I think of uh, great statistics, you know, that's uh, that's uh, about number 512 on my list, okay? I mean, uh, I really don't put it up there with Cal Ripken and Pete Rose and Ted Williams' 400 batting average and uh, Michael J- Jordan's six titles uh, okay. and Bill Russell's uh, 11 titles in 13 okay. years. It just doesn't, just doesn't add up. You know, I do and have to agree with you. You're offended by me. I'm offended by you. Uh, bringing up him in those in that vein with those names. I, I'm just joking, sports fans. Don't go crazy on me. But I will say this: you are absolutely <laughs> right. Watching him eating 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes, it, and the way he does it, it, it's almost enough to make you lose your lunch. Literally, this guy just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. But but he he does it nonetheless. Hey, uh, as we close this segment out, your thoughts in terms of the top sports stories you're looking for. Of course, I'm looking for normalcy, wanting to see something we can hang our hat on. What is really impressing you or not impressing you? What's worrying you? What are you thinking about in the world of sports in terms of things that are on the horizon here? Uh, what are you really focusing on? Well, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's it's a worry. I mean, my biggest worry is that these leagues will uh, not get going again, you know, and, uh, I, you know, we all are desperate for, uh, to see live sports. And I just, uh, you know, I try to be optimistic, but it just, to me, it's getting uh, each day there's new new information coming out, and I'm just not sure. And the bad thing, too, Jamie, real quick, is if the, uh, I don't want to see them get started up, get maybe 10, 12 games in if you're talking about the NBA or MLB. And all of a sudden, go. You know what? It's just too much. We can't do it. And then they have to scrap the whole season. And then that has a trickle down effect, where I believe the NFL might look at it and, but and you know, say, look, we we can't do it. We can't do any games, and uh, because it's just so risky. And uh, the amount of money that's being lost, whether it be college or professional sports, is mind boggling. And uh, it'd be interesting. It'll be hard to to uh, recoup all of that money that's lost. When you look at it, Mike, and you look at the salaries being paid, and then you see some of the comments from the players are like, hey, the owners have the money, they should put it up. But, I mean, this has been crippling not only to the players, but the owners, to the vendors. I mean, it, there's such a trickle-down effect that you worry about, and I worry about the frontline folks, the people that take your tickets, sell the programs, uh, deliver the beer, the yeah. hot dogs, all that. These folks depend on this money. And go a step further, look at the small towns and the big towns throughout college football's landscape. When these, uh, you know, the college football game days uh, folks come in and the different big events and the big games, like in Nebraska, 
you, you're talking about a sea of red there. That that whole town shuts down. It basically it's the yeah. major major revenue for the entire outlying area. And when you take that away, and they don't have that, a lot of these businesses, small businesses, all survive from the folks that come into those towns for those game day weekends. They make enough during the season to support them. In many cases, the rest of the year. And now you take it away with no fans. I just don't know. I mean, there's got to be something done to give these folks some relief. Uh, you make a great point, Jamie, especially, you know, we, we talk about the athletes and so forth, but like you said, the concession workers, the ushers and so forth, they've, they've been off. They, you know, now some organizations have uh, paid these uh, folks, uh, you know, throughout this uh, situation, but not, you know, not all of them, but, you know, those folks are affected, their livelihood. And then, uh, you're talking about fans attending events. Look at the lost revenue for, like you mentioned, those communities where I'll take, for example, NASCAR uh, with the fans. You know, they, the money that is spent on hotels and camping areas and so forth, it's gone, you know, and uh, it's going to take you years to get recouped, you know, for that stuff. And uh, same with golf, you know, you, it's, you know, the local uh, tournaments you have in Detroit this past weekend. You know, no fans. So those hotels lost all that money. It's really it, it's mind boggling to think of what uh, how it affects everything associated with life. And uh, let's just pray that it'll, it will get some good numbers and get some good positive uh, news here. And that will be uh, when we talk again, that will be uh, a little bit more optimistic about uh, the world. And like you said, that word normalcy, uh, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that, but let's hope and pray we get very close to it anyways. Mike, final question for you. Turn our attention to NASCAR. You're a huge NASCAR fan. It was reported that Hendricks Motorsports uh, star Jimmy Johnson had tested positive, and now a couple tests. He's back on the negative side on Monday and Tuesday. He'll return to the 48 Chevrolet, uh, his streak of 663 the starts most among after drivers was snapped when he didn't race this past Sunday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 663 consecutive starts. Just a real durable guy. He has been in that car and done a great job uh, over his seven wins uh, career-wise as far as titles in the 48 Chevrolet. Do you give him any chance whatsoever this year in terms of winning it all or in terms of being up front? Uh, do you think he has what it takes to have one last big run in him? Or do you think it's kind of a, a sweet goodbye for a guy? Guy that was one of the greatest to ever do it. Well, that was a shame this week, this past weekend, because it was at Indy, and of course, uh, you know, his, his farewell tours, if you will. Uh, I expect him, uh, I think he's been competitive. I think he qualified pretty decent, if I'm not mistaken, at Indianapolis, um, or at least uh, the car did. So uh, I, I think when you have uh, someone like that, that has that kind of experience, uh, I think he's always going to be, you have to consider he's a contender. Uh, now, whether he makes the chase playoffs is another thing, but uh, I think he might have a win or two still uh, up his sleeve. Mike, he, of course, missed the Brickyard 400. It dropped Johnson to 15th in the driver standings, 46 points above the cutoff for the playoffs. Do you think, as we close out the NASCAR season and get to the end, do you think he's going to eke in there? Do you think he can still somehow find some magic in that in that vehicle to try to pull it out here at the very end? Yeah, I think he's going to qualify for the playoffs. I think he's with that experience. He's very savvy, smart driver. Uh, he's had a little bad luck here in the last few years when he's get, uh, he's got caught up in some uh, pileups and wrecks and so forth. But I think. Uh, if he qualifies in the top 20 on a consistent basis, I think he'll have pretty decent finishes, and I think he will uh, find a way to get into the chase uh, playoffs. But right now, Denny Hamlin and, right, go, right now, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are uh, heads and shoulders above everybody.
When you look at his illustrious career, of course, the seven uh, cup titles, uh, what would you say? I, I say durable. I say dependable uh, a gamer. Uh, w- what a word or two would you associate with Johnson in terms of his illustrious career? Uh, competitor. I mean, he just he just loves to compete and uh, loves to be in the thick of things, and he usually is, uh, you know, with all those titles that he's got. And, uh, again, one of those California kids that came on the circuit and uh, – Right when uh, NASCAR was, uh, you know, getting into that uh, corporate mold, if you will, uh, he and Gordon were coming along. And uh, so that, that's one thing I always uh, think of when I think of Jimmy Johnson is that he's kind of that corporate uh, uh, mold that uh, NASCAR was trying to get to and has gotten to. Mike, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Sports King Show. And I'll meet you here in just a little bit for lunch. Uh, let's head over to the local hot dog shop, throw 75 on the table, and let's go after it, my friend. What do you say? Are you up for it? Well, if there's 75, if I'm doing it, there'll be 73 left. (laughs) Anyway, congratulations to you, Joey Chestnut. For Mike Neville, Ben Malin, I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of the Sports King Show. And uh, we thank everybody, Cole Thompson as well, for joining us today. And uh, we're heading out to Los Angeles. Uh, Jim Rome won't be there, but uh, his show is up next. Stay tuned.